you remember this verse from last week too? And you certainly probably sung it and heard it from Luke 2.14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So we want the peace. If we want the peace, it starts with God getting what first? Glory. The two ends of the rope actually are glory and peace. God gets glory, we get peace. There's this bit of an exchange. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. If we go around trying to get the glory, we're going to lose our peace. But it's when we give God glory, say God is the immovable, permanent object in my life that I can rely on and I give him glory. All of a sudden, the peace that we want, the steadiness that we feel at our end of the rope is dependable. Glory to God, peace to us. You start with glory and you end up with peace. So I'm going to read a little bit of a, uh, the larger section of that. You can read along with me if you want. It's in Luke chapter 2, as you see on the wall behind me. Or just listen. It's the story of the shepherds and the angels. Listen to the two types of glory. It's kind of like two big categories of glory. And for everyone who's feeling disconnected here, everyone who's looking for peace in their lives, I'm just hoping for myself and for you that we'll recognize that if we practice giving glory to God, that's the first step to us experiencing peace in our life. And the angels here kind of preach the same sermon straight to the shepherds. So Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8. Here a familiar Christmas story from those who were there and, and passed it down to us. Luke writes that there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord, so first one angel, appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. So we see the word glory. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts, so many, many, many angels appeared, all praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, rebinding, restoring, renewing, tying, peace, specifically to certain types of people to those people on whom his favor rests. Jesus' coming did not restore world peace. Jesus' coming offered individual peace with God. We wish that we would see peace on earth. See the conflict going on right now in Israel and Palestine. We want peace. There needs to be a rebinding of separate parties, right? Without that rebinding, there can be no peace. But the Bible's definition of peace is if we start with God as our stable point, then that gives us security on our rope. Um, so the two types of glory we see here, the glory of the Lord shown around. This is the glory that God has. It's like in him. It's think like his brilliance, his majesty, his power, his presence, his glory. No one can give that to God. You can't give God his power or his majesty, his glory. So there's a kind of glory that God has. But there is a kind of glory that you can give. Because a few verses down, I read, glory to God. Glory be to God. Or give glory to God in the highest heaven. 
and then on earth receive peace. All those who his favor rests on, people who accept him, people who are tied into him. So there's a kind of glory that you have and there's a kind of glory that you give. And it's complicated because it's the same word that's used all the time in the Bible. It's this word doxa where we get doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Doxa just means glory, but it also means praise. But we can't give that to God. We can't give him his presence. We can certainly celebrate his presence. And this is where the secret to our peace comes in, not giving God anything he doesn't have, but recognizing and praising God, celebrating the glory that God has is actually the secret to us experiencing peace. And that's what we're going to dig into together. So God is anchored strongly. We can pull on him. We can rest on him and rely on him. God is secure. God is trustworthy. God will never fail. We're giving God glory when we say those things. We're stating who and what he is. This pole here, this immovable structure. This is God in our lives no matter what's going on around him. So let me describe this glory to us in six different facets. This is what I want really quickly to try to describe this glory so that we can see why understanding glory helps us understand peace. So we glorify God when we recognize his glory. Ultimately, it's all about him. Our lives need to be about God. It is his glory. And we give him glory by just saying we recognize your glory. Recognize how good you are, Father. So this means we bring him our worries. Recognize that you're not worried, God. You're dependable. And we glorify him in that way because we say you're worthy of bringing my worries to. You can do something about this. So we're making a statement about God's power. But how he likes to answer prayer just by bringing him our prayers. It glorifies God. Uh, we bring him our wounds. We come to God and say, I'm wounded in this way. Please heal me, we ask for healing. That glorifies God because it means that God can do something about that and that we're merely knotted onto an end of rope, unable to save ourselves, and unless he is there with the healing, we'll never find it. We'll never get it. We need it. He has it. It glorifies him just to say what his glory is. So his glory is made up of his power. His glory is made up of his answers to prayer. His glory is made up of his healing power. Bring him your questions. On our own floating, untethered, unattached, questions feel like insurmountable. But the minute you bring questions to God and say, God, would you answer this question for me? You recognize that that's giving him glory because it's saying you can answer this question. There's no unanswerable questions for God. There's no questions too big for him. And when we believe that about him, that he's strong enough, we give him glory by saying, you're the one I want to answer my Questions. This is recognizing his healing power, his wisdom, his love for us. This is his glory. That's what his glory is made up of. And it's how we give him glory. Because we recognize it, we sing it, we praise it. We say, praise God from whom all blessings flow. So that's the first part. We glorify God by recognizing his glory. The second part is that we all fail. You know this verse, we all fall short of the glory of God. I'll read it for us. It's from Romans 3. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, His majesty, His perfection, His brilliance. But all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So we recognize God is the only stable thing. We give Him glory in that way. The other version of this, the other option, is that we give ourselves glory. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. That's going to fail. 
because we all sin and fall short. Like, look at me, look what I can accomplish. Well, in a heartbeat, that can be taken away. Or look at this person, I'm trusting the advice that this person gave or this strategy that this person advised. I should do this. I, look at them, look at how well their life is working out. Well, that person is going to fall short, too, of the glory of God. No one is God except for God. We give glory to God, and we all, as people, need to tie in to Him. We all sin, we all fall short of the glory. We're all at a distance, and Christ is what connects us to each other. We're trying to expand what we understand about glory. Here's a third way to understand glory. The Bible teaches that each of us do have a glory of our own. It's kind of like a small glory. A couple of ways that it uses this, it says that a woman is the glory of man, meaning in marriage. It's this like wonderful expression of yourself. It's this beauty that is connected to yourself. It's a glorious thing to be married. So it describes marriage as glory, the presence, the power, the beauty, the love. Um, Paul talks about uh, stars and planets and says the glory of heavenly bodies is of one kind. The glory of earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of glory. The moon another. Star is different from star in glory. So the Bible's explaining this glory thing is like inherent. It's what makes you you. You have glory, but it's like glory with a small g. It's some reflection of ultimate glory. So if anyone here is a wise person, people come to you for advice and for counsel. If they think that you're the answer to all their questions and their problems, they're going to be sorely mistaken because you fall short of the glory of God. But you know a God that has all the wisdom and all the answers and all the knowledge. So if you will give glory to God and he will give you the wisdom you need, you become part of this chain, this rope. And then someone is secure not because they're tied to you, but because they're tied to God. You're just connecting someone to the glory of God. It's not your wisdom. You may have a little, but if you have a little, it's just a reflection of what God has in fullness. Beauty. Some people are so artistic and they create works of art or physically just such beautiful people that God has designed. And then people look at you like, wow, I could never paint that or draw that or write that. or what are they? You recognize the small g glory in someone. And that person has an opportunity in that moment to take it. Say, you're right, that's awesome, I'm awesome. And then that person is allowing you to tie to them. Well, what happens when they fall short of the real glory of God, the true beauty? What happens when you see the ugly side of all of us? I was like, oh, that person failed. Uh, we get discouraged. We find ourselves falling like the rope because we were tied to something that wasn't secure. We tie ourselves to these small reflections of glory instead of recognizing where it's supposed to be. But if someone sees... A musician play an instrument, an artist paint a, a painting, uh, any kind of artistic, creative expression. And you say, it's, it's something, but God is the real artist. God is the true creator. I could never have created a, a world like the world you see, a universe with all its beauty the way God does. He's the true artist. Now you're showing that your glory is just but a small reflection of God's glory. And if we will look to him, for the glory he has and recognize it, that's us giving him glory. We can never be let down if we give the glory to God. So everything in our lives should point to God. That's giving glory. Everything in our lives should hint at God. Oh, there is such a thing as beauty. There is such a thing as love. There is such a thing as peace. Because we're supposed to represent that in a small g kind of way, a small glory. And it's good and it's beautiful as long as it connects people to God. 
All right, a fourth facet of peace and glory and how they relate. If you're going to pursue peace, you have to start with praise. So praise and glory, same word, recognition. And I wonder if you are trying to, say, repair a broken relationship, you're seeking peace, you're trying to tie back together with a person, right? Would it work if you say, well, I still know that everything you did is wrong and I was completely right in that, but I'd like to be friends again. No, you got to tie back in. They have to tie back into this give and a take. A way to restore is to recognize where both parties have fallen short so that each party can forgive, each party can love and restore. So there needs to be some praise of the other person, some recognition of the good that they bring. Otherwise, there can't actually be restoring. You know, as we said with the rope last week, you can be kind of like close to each other if the rope's cut. <laughs> but for it to actually be rebound, biblical peace, there needs to be a recognition that some of it was on us, some of it was on them, and some of it is on things even beyond our control. And so when we give recognition, we give praise, that enables the person to meet us halfway, enables the rope to be fully tied. This is how it works with God, right? Should we come to Him and say, I've been living a good life, I'm a pretty good person, but I recognize that you sent me your son, so even though I don't really need your forgiveness or your help, I believe in your son so that I can get into heaven. Like, what sort of tie-in is that to God if we never recognize that we are desperately in need of him and that we're severed, we're separate without him? So we come to God and we praise Him and say, God, I know that you were there even when I was looking in the other direction. I know that you've always been inviting me to tie back off. You are worthy of praise. Please accept me. Accept my apology. I recognize what I need from you. This is how apologies must work. This is how rebinding must work between, between people. But again, ultimately, those can only be small hints at the glory of God, the true forgiver, the true perfect person that we need to make concessions to, to meet him halfway. This requires, if we're going to rebind to God, that we don't hold a grudge against him. Some people hold grudges against God for things that have happened, things they wish went a different way. You can't experience peace if you're saying, God, yeah, but I know that you shouldn't have let this happen. Or, I don't know why this happened. How can there be a rebinding where the two become one again unless there's recognizing, God, you are good and I need you. Please restore us together. You can't hold grudges against people if there's going to be true peace. And you can't hold a grudge against God if there's going to be salvation, true peace. It's a reciprocal binding you can't just bind one end of a rope to the other, it'll slide off. Both pieces of rope have to tie together. All right, this leads us to what I kind of hinted at before, tying off to other people. You can't go looking for glory from other sources. Everybody is undependable except for God. No one's trustworthy. No one's perfectly Faithful for all sin and fall short of that perfection, that glory. This is why when people let us down, it's so devastating because we expected them to uphold their end of the bargain. We expected them to be trustworthy, but they're people. 
The only one trustworthy is Christ alone, and the only thing secure is God alone. He gets all the glory. The rope is only as strong as what it's anchored to. Recognize at the end of our phrase here, peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is the key to understanding who we're giving glory to. Uh, Jesus said it this way. He said in John 5, 41, I do not receive glory from people. So people would try to give him lots of glory, and he immediately passed it on to God. He said, I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name. He's tied off to the Father securely. And he said, but you do not receive me. So how can you believe when you receive glory from one another, but you do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? In John 8, he says it again in a different way. Uh, Jesus said, I do not seek my own glory, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. And then in John 12, for the people, John recognizes the Pharisees. Um, this is what he says about them. He says, Nevertheless, many of the authorities believed in Jesus, but for fear of the leaders, the religious leaders of their day, they didn't admit it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Glory can be praise. Glory can be credit. You know, credit where credit's due. So when we give glory to God, we give Him credit for these things. When people give us glory, they're giving us credit for things that were only possible because God did it. Glory to God alone. You can kind of recognize who you're giving glory to by thinking for a second. Who do you celebrate? You know, who, do you, who do you love? Who do you praise? Who do you give compliments to? These are people that you're giving glory to. Uh, who do you brag about? You're giving glory. You're praising someone for who they are. You're saying that the glory in this person is good. I'm recognizing and admitting. I'm giving glory to them. Could we learn to recognize our compliments as the things that we're then valuing, the things that we praise, the things that we celebrate, we're giving glory to things. How often do we compliment God in our conversation? How often do we brag about Him? That's giving Him glory. And yet, as Jesus said in His time, it's the same for us. People give glory to each other. We celebrate the people in the world that have, you know, billion-dollar businesses, or we celebrate people that have world-class talent and skills in certain fields. We celebrate the prodigies. We celebrate good grades. We celebrate successful careers. We celebrate. We give glory to things that have some element of goodness in them, some element of praise. But if we are looking at someone's marriage, for example, and saying, oh, they've got it all together. They've just got it perfect. That's going to be the next marriage that starts crumbling. And you're like, well, if that marriage can't survive, then what marriage can? And you're like, well, glory to God. Only through God will any marriage survive. We give glory to where glory is due, credit where credit is due, that enables us to all be the weak ones knotted into the strength of God. There's a couple of examples in, in Bible, uh, a Bible of uh, people who stole glory from God. And this is the next thing it ties right into understanding. One is uh, Herod in Acts 12. Um, he was preaching, uh, he was speaking in this kind of like public forum. Maybe you know this story. Uh, Acts 12 says, On the appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes. He took his seat upon the throne and he delivered an oration to the crowds. 
And the people were shouting, wow, the voice of a God, not the voice of a man. So they were giving him glory. They were saying he had the voice of a God as he struck them all with his great speaking ability. Uh, the very next verse says, immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. This like harsh judgment of God on the spot for someone stealing glory from God. You may remember, and I won't read the whole thing, back in Daniel 4, the story of Nebuchadnezzar, a king at that day. And he looked and said, look at my glory, my majesty, my kingdom. And God made him senseless and said he went out and like lived and ate the grass of the field like an animal and his fingernails grew long and his hair grew long. He like literally lost his mind until in that wilderness he said, God, I recognize you can humble whoever you want to humble. And it was you who gave me that kingdom. And God restored his sanity. He was brought back, regained the rule of his kingdom and lived on. And the very end of that, he says, um, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven. Because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. So we can't go stealing glory from God because he will humble us. You know, pride comes before a fall, that proverb that we like to quote so often. And I wonder, has this been something that we've done? I feel like I've definitely done this in the past. Someone compliments you on something and you take the credit. Someone recognizes something that you're a part of. It could be a choir you're singing in or a sports team and you just take the credit instead of giving the glory to God for what he enabled to happen. Do we take glory? Do we receive it? Do we think it was us? Do you think it was you who gave yourself your health? Do you think it was you who gave yourself your abilities? Do you think it was you who gave yourself your family, who gave yourself your job, who gave yourself this country that we live in now, who gave yourself Salvation through Christ? No, we're all broken pieces that are tying back into the only thing that's safe, the only thing that's secure, which is God. Glory to God alone. Glory to God alone. All of us come, we go, our lives are like a mist, like a breath, and then we're gone. God stays. God is permanent. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We tie into Him, and we have peace because He's not movable. There's such a great amount of pressure that comes with needing to be the ones that are steady for everyone else. Has anyone been a caretaker for someone for years and you've got to be dependable or the oldest sibling in a family where there's dysfunction, you're caring for your younger siblings, I've got to hold it together, I've got to be the one, I've got to do it right, I can't let people down. And, and so you succeed, you succeed, you succeed, and then you fail once and you feel terrible because we can't perpetually permanently succeed. All fall short of the glory of God who always succeeds, who's always faithful. So we can have some faithfulness. We can have a small g glory, but we need a God to give us, to let us tap into, tie into all the faithfulness we need so that when our human faithfulness is running out, that we have a resource that's limitless. I don't want to take credit from God. I don't want to feel His wrath because I took credit for something that He's doing. I don't want you to take credit from God or steal glory from God. I want you to give glory to God because the minute you do, you become a more secure person for the people that are tied to you if you are tied to God. And if you help them tie directly to God, ultimately you're irrelevant in their lives. They're secured to the God that will keep them safe, not to us. This happens with churches all the time. It's classic. We're famous for it. 
People tie themselves to a church and a pastor and then there's an affair or an embezzlement of money or some sin because all fall short of the glory of God and then all these people are tied to a person or a church are flat on the floor. <laughs> tied to God, we recognize that there will be problems and God will be the one that will get us through it. Not tied to a person. For kids, this is especially important because you're tied to your family for a while. And so you have faith through what they've taught you and together you go to church. But eventually you will not be with your family. You on your own need to tie off to God so that you're okay. And when you look and say, oh, my family's a mess. Look at it. Okay. That's because we're the people tied into God. God is not a mess. Glory to God. God is fine. God's doing just great despite the state of the world. God is beautiful and perfectly at peace with all the power and wisdom despite the fact that we as people always lack wisdom and always fall short. All fall short of his glory and he doesn't. So I, I want to bring it together here. What do we do with this? What's the practical steps to give God glory and then the peace that we receive? Here's how we wrap it up with. I thought of uh, eight small things that can help us see the glory to the peace. When we give God glory, it reminds us that he is there. I think we need reminders. How often is the world reminding you that God is there? Zero percent of the time. How often in your job is your boss saying, well, I'd like to just take a moment in our next meeting and focus for a, fact, uh, focus for a minute on the, uh, the glory of God and how he has a permanent structure even though our, our corporate income and outgo is not what it should be. And, you know, we have, no, you're busy with the work of the day and we take our eyes off of God too often. Saying glory to God, literally saying those words, or praise God, or thank you, God, or God, you are good, stating him, praising him, gives him glory. And it's the reminder we need to take our head up. Stop looking at the trees and see the forest, see God. So this is one way that we get peace. It takes our eyes off of the mess and recognize the world can be a mess. God is not a mess. God is fine. God is glorious. And we give him honor. It lifts us up, reminds us that we are anchored in him. Um, another relationship of glory to peace. Uh, situations around us can be going badly, but God is still good. This is a big one for when we're in a tough time. The situation can be bad, but God is good. God is not your situation. God is outside of time all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, all-loving, all-just, looking to be an anchor for you in the middle of the storm. God is not your situation. God is the solution to your situation. So we give him glory by saying, God, this is not your fault. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means every human being that's ever lived is making the problem. And God is the solution. Jesus is the connection to him. What other peace can we get when we recognize the glory of God? Uh, this enables us to forgive people who fail us more easily because we were never expecting them to be permanent structures in our lives. They're more of the flexible people that will fail. It's easier to forgive someone if we weren't putting them on a pedestal, expecting them ever to fail us. We've recognized that we're all just tying into God and only He won't change. Glory to God. It actually makes us a little bit more apt to forgive. The next one is the same, but for ourselves. It's a little bit easier to forgive ourselves if we realize we can never be that immovable object for everyone around us all the time in every way. 
And so when we fail, that's like a realistic assessment of who we are, but not God. God's good, so we can forgive ourselves a little bit easier as well. Father God, I dropped the rope. The scissors got me. I need to tie back in. I'm feeling separated, but you've been the same. So I can get peace even in my own sinfulness, knowing that I'm not you. And that if I let go of this rope or if I'm not tied in, I will lose my peace. So tie me back in, Jesus, to the immovable anchor of God. So forgiveness becomes more easy. Another benefit, the peace that we experience, we give God the glory, is that we don't depend as much on the compliments of other people or the opinions of other people. Because if God's the only opinion that matters and we're just hanging on to him, then it doesn't matter what people around us say. Whose favor do we want more? People on Facebook or God in heaven? Because the peace comes to the people on whose God's favor rests. Who do you want to like you more, to think better of you more? The person in your family? The neighbor, the coworker, or God, because sometimes those are in conflict. And if we pick God, God, I want you to think well of me in this situation. It might mean we say different things than we would say if I hope this person isn't upset with me. Trying to be right with God can't always be right with people and with God because sometimes the opinions of others are in conflict with what God wants. So if we don't want to be dependent upon the compliments of others, the favor of others, then we exclusively cling to the favor of God. God, please be pleased with me. I'm sorry for where I've, all these knots in my rope where I've fallen short. You get the glory. And then we feel God's pleasure. It's like, well, what's anybody else going to do to me? There's that peace when we focus on God. Just a couple more here, and then we'll close with communion and prayer. God rewards those who give him glory. He shows them favor. So there's a reward inherent. And if we're motivated just by getting what we want from God, we're, we're never going to have a real relationship. But if we honor God, he will reward those that honor him. So if we're looking for ways to find favor in our situations, giving glory to God puts us in a position with him, kind of like the prodigal son. You come back, now the father can throw out the feast for you can celebrate you. So giving glory to God results in experiencing his favor, which helps solidify our peace. And the opposite of that is that we avoid God's wrath when we give him glory. Because he's not going to let people steal his glory forever. He can pick a time in their life, or it could be on judgment day when we die and see him face to face, but he will claim his glory. And so we don't set ourselves up as worthy of glory or claim that others are this thing that we should be celebrating or praising, but we praise God alone, then we're avoiding that like looming, impending punishment from God. So there's reward and there's punishment and it relies on who we're giving credit and glory to. And then the last thing that gives us peace from giving God glory is we recognize that he just has things to give us that no one else can. So we can go to people to ask for their help, for their wisdom, for, but he's the only one that has these things in full measure. So that gives us peace because we know we're going to the source, cutting out all the middlemen. This reminds me of prayer, reminds me of church in a very Catholic New England, right? Many of you maybe grew up in the Catholic church as well. 
And because of how the hierarchy within the leadership of the Catholic Church goes and confession and things like that, sometimes there's a thought by those who grew up in that, that I need to bring my prayer to the priest so he can bring it to God. So I will have people come to me and say, can you pray for this for me? I'm like, well, I, I can, but don't, don't give me that glory. It's just God, and you can tie straight to him because God's the only one that can answer your prayer. I, I cannot. And so maybe you'll have someone ask you to pray for them. Pray for them, but encourage them to pray straight to God as well because that's the source. We're not the source. God is the source of all the things that we're praying for, which is why in Philippians it says, don't be anxious about everything, but in all things, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Right? So there's what we give to God. I give you credit, God, for being able to answer all my anxiety, all my prayers, my supplications, and I'm thankful to you. If that isn't glory to God, I don't know what is. So we give him that. But what does it say next? It says, then the peace of God which passes all understanding. The peace that you, doesn't make any sense because you're in the storm, doesn't make any, you, you're experiencing it, will protect your hearts and protect your minds. So we looked at that last week to kind of discuss what the knot was all about. We get peace from God by tying back into him through prayer. But really it's also an explanation of when you give glory to God, you connect to him in that way, then we find the peace that he gives in exchange. So here is my closing promise that I'd like to read from scripture. I'm gonna invite the music team to come forward. We're gonna celebrate communion together in just a moment. I've done a mashup of three separate passages to create this kind of closing promise. One is Hebrews 1, 1. The second is Hebrews 6, 19. The third is 2 Corinthians 3. These are three statements that when they put together, talk about how we are to anchor ourselves to God through Christ, which will help us increase in glory, small g, as we give God the glory. So I'd like to read this for us and then close us in prayer. And I'd like to invite any of you that are looking to experience what it looks like to be anchored in God and feel his glory, or if we don't have peace, to go to him for it instead of other people, to come and find Sally after church, come find me and pray and ask God for that connection, because that will be what results in this, from glory to peace. So let me read these closing scriptures and then let's pray together. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of his being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. And we have this hope, which is an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters God's sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. And where the Lord is, and now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Let's pray.